Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message.
My name is Lamerle Milsom. I'm a member of Epworth Methodist Church. I'm reading to you from John 1, uh, John 2, 1 through 11. Two days later, there was a wedding in the town of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine had given out, Jesus' mother said to him, they are out of wine. You must not tell me what to do, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. Jesus' mother then told the servants, do whatever he tells you. The Jews have rules about ritual washing, and for this purpose, six stone water jars were there, each one large enough to hold between 20 and 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill these jars with water. They filled them to the brim, and then he told them, now draw some water out and take it to the man in charge of the feast. They took him the water, which now had turned into wine, and he tasted it. He did not know where this wine had come from, but of course the servants who had drawn out the water knew, so he called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone else serves the best wine first, and after the guests have drunk a lot, he serves the ordinary wine. But you have kept the best wine until now. Jesus performed this first miracle in Cana in Galilee. There he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. In the Lord, in the Lord, my soul has been anchored in the Lord. In the Lord, in the Lord, my soul has been anchored in the Lord. Before I stay, Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, I'm grateful to be back among you, even if I am here alone in the sanctuary and with you via our online worship for the time being. Time spent in restoration and reflection, especially as the new year opens, is always welcome. 
I want to thank my colleagues, Reverend Dr. Dale Weatherspoon at Easter Hill United Methodist Church, where Epworth worshipped uh, virtually on January 2nd, and Reverend Dr. Jan Everhart, who preached from Epworth's virtual pulpit last week for offering messages in my absence. Thanks to both of these pastors for their wisdom and for their care and for their good words and good news as we enter yet another time of connecting and worshiping as a full and broadly dispersed congregation via the internet. Last week's sermon from Dr. Everhart was on the baptism of Jesus, the second feast of what is known as the three feasts of light. The first feast of light is Epiphany, in which the sages of the East follow the bright star and acknowledge the remarkable nature of this newborn baby who was also the incarnate God. Then the second feast is the baptism of Jesus, which uh, we heard about last week from Dr. Everhart. And we also experience the, the voice of God who says to Jesus and to all of us, this is my beloved with whom I am well pleased. And then the third feast of light is the wedding at, the Cana, at Cana of Galilee, which is our scripture for today, at which Jesus performs his first miracle, turning water into wine. These feasts were celebrated by the early church as a tritium, three holy days, and they illuminate who God is, both fully human and fully divine, who God loves, all of us, and what God hopes. It is the third feast which offers to us a vision of what God hopes that we encounter in our scripture for today. What does God hope? Have you been thinking about that lately? As we begin a fresh new year, what is God's will for us? We are coming to the precipice of a, uh, as we enter this third year of a pandemic, and as we become more aware of the mental and physical toll of the scourge, we have to keep asking what our God, who even in the face of tragedy and loss, can bring about good, what, what our God hopes. What do you hope, God? And how can we be a part of that? And so as the scripture opens today, and we have in mind this is the third of the Feasts of Light that engages what God hopes, we find Jesus' mother, as well as Jesus and his disciples, at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And a tragedy has happened. The hosts have run out of wine! So Jesus' mother, who interestingly here is not referred to as Mary, lets Jesus know that the wine has run out. And at that moment, Jesus responds in a way that seems somewhat flippant, saying, Woman, what is that to me? My hour has not yet come. From Jesus' words, we get the impression that he's not taking on this particular issue. He's there as a guest. And wine or no wine, he's going to continue enjoying himself. But then he asks the servers to fill six stone water jars to the brim, which is done. And then he asks the chief steward to draw some 
of the liquid out. And it's not water. It's wine. And delicious wine at that. The wedding is saved. Turning water into wine is considered the first of Jesus's miracles. And not just because Jesus provides the wedding party with really good wine. In this moment, we see Jesus expand from an individual with a small group of followers to a divine presence with a communal mission. You see, this good wine is not just an example of Jesus's good taste or generosity or even his power to bring about miraculous events. The wine is a symbol of Jesus's blood. And in this miracle, we are introduced to the life-giving gift he has for all people. The nature of Jesus's mission is confirmed as being more than about just an individual, but also as a communal mission. In this act, we see that it is not just the wedding that is saved, but all of us. I wonder what his very new disciples thought at that point. They had consented and committed to follow him. They had a sense that something important, something liberative was happening around him, that he was special. But I doubt they understood the transformative nature of his invitation. In fact, as we, as we proceed throughout the life of Jesus and we watch the disciples interacting with him, we see time and, a time, and time and time again, they just didn't quite get it. They didn't understand the magnitude of what he was offering, this individual and communal transformation and mission. In 2015, I was in St. Louis at the first conference of the Truth Telling Project. We were gathered in the multi-purpose room of Cardinal Ritter High School. The conference was organized by an alum of Cardinal Ritter, which itself is an extraordinary school founded in 1979 by the Archdiocese of St. Louis to be a college preparatory college preparatory school for students who, in the words of the great Nina Simone, were young, gifted, and black. In fact, another alum of the school was there for that uh, initial conference of the Truth Telling Project, R Representative Cori Bush, uh, who at that time was a nurse and a pastor, not uh, a member of Congress. And we were all gathered because just seven months before, 18-year-old Michael Brown had been killed by a police officer, another tragedy of an unarmed black person dying at the hands of police. The sustained protest response in Ferguson, Missouri was giving people hope that this might be a moment for some real change. Persons who had not been particularly politically active before began to organize. And such was the case for the founder of the Truth-Telling Project and organizer of the conference. He brought people together from across the country by creating a series of panels and talks. I think most of the, uh, the couple of hundred people who gathered there were, were given some kind of role. Like I said, he hadn't previously been that politically active, but he was moved by this moment and he felt that he needed to do something, <clears throat> and that something was to organize. One of the keynote speakers at the Truth-Telling Project conference was Reverend Dr. Bernard Lafayette. 
perhaps you know his name. Lafayette, who was 75 at the time, was an early civil rights activist, a member of the Nashville student movement who, along with John Lewis and Diane Nash, led sit-ins and at lunch counters and assisted in the formation of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, also known as SNCC. When the Fellowship of Reconciliation's Congress of Racial Equality, CORE, along with SNCC, organized the Freedom Rides in, in which mixed racial groups rode interstate buses to test the Supreme Court ruling that prohibited segregation on buses that crossed state lines and to challenge Jim Crow, uh, local Jim Crow laws. <clears throat> Lafayette and others took over the organizing and the riding when earlier groups were arrested and violently attacked. And so when Lafayette took the stage, there was a palpable energy, a moment perhaps not unlike when the, the, the moment when Jesus stood in the River Jordan with John. We who were gathered needed to hear what this man, who had been a disciple of Martin Luther King Jr. and a close comrade to John Lewis, had to say. Many were saying at that time that the nascent Black Lives Matter movement wouldn't last. People would lose interest and energy. Structural change was too hard to achieve because it requires sustained commitment and organizing and the willingness not to just change institutions, but to change oneself. Then Reverend Dr. Bernard Lafayette spoke and said, this isn't just a moment. This is a movement. In the seven years since that day, his words have been borne out. The Black Lives Matter movement continues to grow and to convert individuals and communities to a new way of understanding and a new commitment for racial justice and equality. The mission of the movement is both individual and communal in nature, just like the mission of Jesus Christ. Today is Human Relations Sunday. It's the Sunday in the United Methodist Church celebrated each year during the Martin Luther King Jr. weekend that we lift up the missional nature of the church to be a force for transformation and healing in the world, particularly in the face of racial injustice. We take a special offering to help bridge the gap between where we are as a community with our challenges in poverty the need for racial justice and disparities in health care, between those things and what God hopes. Jesus asks us to go beyond this moment. What is in, and what is in the news today? What is convenient or, or not too taxing to take on? Jesus asks us to go beyond those moments and invites us into a movement. It's significant that Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding. Now, it's true that the wedding imagery is used throughout the Christian scriptures to symbolize the covenant between Christ and us, God and us. But if you've ever been a part of putting on a wedding, you know that weddings don't just happen. They take organization. They take hours of planning, preparation, some false starts, some breakthroughs. They take invitations, they take generosity, they take the willingness to travel, to go, to show up. They take the willingness of individuals to be vulnerable with each other 
and to make vows based on faith and love and hope. And weddings create a new community. And we now, as the body of Christ on earth, are invited into a movement where we continue to do that kind of sustained organizing. I believe that God has been calling Epworth to keep growing in our understanding and our actions, our demonstrating and our demanding, our willingness to accept that our mission, like the church's mission, like Jesus's mission, is both individual and communal. What that means is that we have to continue to do our own work, to examine the ways in which we stand in the way of beloved community, and to remove those barriers, both from our, our paths and from our hearts. And it means that we need to keep organizing, even if we don't know who will come, where it will lead, even if it's just a sustained group of three of us, even two of us. This is what creates movements, and movements lead to miracles. Amen. My Lord, what a for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online Connect card at Epworth 
berkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. My life is a pathway of sorrow. I've struggled and toiled in the sun. With hope at the dawn of tomorrow would break on the work that is Mansions are bright and fair.